you to think about this question. When did Jesus's ministry start? Now, you know, you might think whenever you open up the pages of like the New Testament and maybe start in Matthew's gospel, that it's going to start on the very first page right there. But actually, that's not what where Matthew starts. And there's different ways of answering that question of when the ministry of Jesus starts, because I mean, we know that God has had a plan for Jesus to start his ministry and what Jesus was called to do while he was here. And all of that was planned out since before the creation of the world. So, you know, answering the question of, well, when did it start is a little difficult at times. But I would suggest to you that in Matthew chapter 4, this is whenever we actually see the ministry of Jesus starting. Now, a lot has happened already. You know, this is the, the familiar birth passage of Jesus that is oftentimes read, you know, around Christmas time. And probably you've even um, heard it around this Christmas season. So we're familiar with that part of the story, and that's what the first few chapters of, of Matthew is about. And then you get into that he is baptized. That still doesn't really start his ministry. You know, we kind of pick up, and now he's 30 years old. He's getting baptized, and that still doesn't really start his ministry just yet. Immediately after his baptism, he goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I think there's something right there to be stated because, you know, right after he was baptized, he was put to the test, and he passed with flying colors. Then, after all of those stories, you come to Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. 
and that's where we're going to begin um, here uh, this morning. So Jesus' ministry, it starts. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So as we look at, at this passage, this is whenever we actually see the ministry of Jesus starting. It begins at a very interesting time, and I want us to point out a few things from this passage. Now, in just a moment, we're going to leave this passage, but we're going to come back because we're going to, we're going to go to Isaiah for a little bit. This The same passage is quoted right here. and see a little bit more of the surrounding verses, and then we'll jump back to this passage. But here, already, what we do see is Jesus' ministry, it starts. Why? There's a few different reasons. One of them, of course, appears in verse 14, and that is because it was to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So it's important to realize Jesus' ministry, and I think there's lessons for our own ministries uh, today as well, it started on God's time. And that's what this whole passage is about. This whole passage uh, was actually uh, a note of encouragement because there were so many times during Israel's days in which things didn't always look all that great. In fact, sometimes it kind of looked like you know, God was bringing about some discipline for them or some punishment for them, and they were tempted to um, ally themselves with, with this political uh, group over here, uh, you know, this nation, or, or this nation over here because, oh, it looks like Egypt's doing really well right now, or it looks like Babylon's doing really well right now, and, you know, okay, so whose team do we want to be on? And they weren't really recognizing they were always supposed to be on God's team. They were always supposed to be working within God's time, and God always promised that he would deliver them, that he would bring them through these things if they would simply be faithful to him. So ministries, yes, they need to start on God's time. We don't just need to force our way through it. We don't need to look at the Egypts and the Babylons of our day and say, oh, well, this looks great, so let's just jump on board. Uh, no, sometimes it has to do with God's timing. And we find out God's timing through what's said in the scriptures, what was handed down to us from the words of the prophets. And that list goes on and on, and we have the Bible in which we can look at and learn so much from it. So this passage right here that they were learning from is Isaiah. So let's turn to Isaiah, and let's read a little bit more than just what's quoted here. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, we read, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoiced at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So this passage speaks about how God is the one who is going to make the, the light dawn out of that deep darkness. He is the one who is going to bring 
Israel through whatever they might be going through. And he is the one who is also going to bring us through whatever we might be going through. This all has to do with being on God's time, though. We don't just need to find or try to find an easy way out of things, a quick way out of whatever situation we find ourselves in. What we need to always be doing is finding how God wants us to get through these things. How does God want to deliver us? He has a plan, and it's better than anything that we can ever come up with. The ministry of Jesus, it starts on God's time. And I think that our ministries also need to start on God's time as well. There's other things in that passage, going back to Matthew 4, that we can learn about Jesus' ministry and whenever it starts. So, Matthew chapter 4, this is verses 12 through 17 again. We've already read this, so I'm not going to read the whole thing again. But when you look at verse 12, we read why this is taking place, or rather, I guess, kind of when this is taking place. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. So, this is kind of kickstarting his ministry, if you will, because John has been put in prison. And this teaches us kind of at least two different things, and I want us to focus on both of them because if you lean too heavily on one or the other, you're kind of missing some of the big picture that's going on. So on the one hand, what we see is there is a lack of a prophetic voice. Because John the Baptist, this is this is John the Baptist, the one who has been coming in and he's been proclaiming this message. He's been uh, baptizing people. He has been preparing the way for the Lord. That's what he's been doing. Uh, that's He's an important figure who is helping uh, get things ready for Jesus and Jesus' ministry. But now John has been put into prison, so what's going to happen? There becomes this void of a prophetic voice. And you know, we might you, you might hear the word prophetic voice and you think, oh, well, that means somebody telling the future. Not always. Some of what John was proclaiming had a little to do with the future, but it was the immediate future. So many times the message that the prophets proclaimed were not something about the, something that was going to take place thousands of years down the road. Many times it was much, much closer to home. And many times it was actually having a prophetic voice was one that was calling them out for the problems that was in their society. Because whenever we as people, when we get comfortable, we start doing things that are comfortable for us. That doesn't mean it's comfortable for God. And sometimes we kind of push God's law to the side because it might be a little less comfortable for us. And we like this thing over here. And then if we aren't careful, uh, we can be missing that prophetic voice in us that reminds us, hey, we really need to be focused on what God would have us to do. That's what John was doing during his day. And since there was a lack of a prophetic voice because John had been put in prison, that's whenever Jesus most certainly stepped into the, the shoes of John, if you will, and he, he, he continued on this ministry because there needed to be a prophetic voice. There always needs to be a prophetic voice in really any generation, I would say. Some of the darkest times in history have been because there's not been a strong prophetic voice during those times. When we have a strong prophetic voice reminding us what we need to be doing, then we are more likely to be aware of what God would have us to do. And perhaps we would be more likely to actually do what God wants us to do. So we see that it starts on God's time and because there was a lack of a prophetic voice. And in connection with John being put into prison, you need to understand something about that. John being put into prison 
on the one hand, that means, well, he's not out there proclaiming, he's not out there baptizing, so somebody you know, needs to pick that, that mantle up and continue on with it. That's part of it, but that's only part of it. Another part is, why had he been put in prison? Now, if you want the full story for why John had been put in prison, or at least a fuller story, you can look at uh, chapter 14 of Matthew's Gospel, and you can read that. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing there, but basically, um, in a nutshell, you have that Herod, who he was a... Um, he was a leader during their day. And, you know, as you look at that, you can kind of see, was he a political leader? Was he a religious leader? And he tried to make him, himself out to be a little bit of both. But um, the, the religious aspect, he wasn't too keen on following God. Uh, th that's for certain. Um, he was happy doing what he wanted to do, and he liked the power. And that's how, you know, all of the whole uh, reign of, of Herod and his whole family, um, that's how really most of them kind of uh, behaved. So um, what's happening here is that not only is there a lack of a prophetic voice, but Herod is the one that put him in prison. You know, that means that at times there's a certain level of sin that it has reached in communities, that sin must simply just be addressed. That's why when Jesus proclaims this message, the first things that, uh, that we read in his ministry found in verse 17 is, from that time on, Jesus began to, to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the same message that John was proclaiming. If you want that in, in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 2, you read, it's the same thing that John was saying. This is the same message that Jesus is proclaiming because they needed to repent. And guess what? They need to repent of sins because sins were a big problem during their day. Sin has always been a big problem, hasn't it been? But what do you do about this sin? Jesus comes to provide us a way to get through, a way to be delivered. So we have, with John being put into prison, that does create a lack of a prophetic voice, but it also tells us that there's a time whenever sin must be addressed. It had to be addressed. We, we see during John's day, during Jesus' day, uh, that the political leaders, the, the religious leaders, and you know uh, other types of leaders perhaps too, uh, they needed to be addressed because of the wickedness that was taking place and being allowed to take place in their society. That simply needed to be addressed. So for at least those three different reasons, we see that that's whenever the ministry of Jesus, is, of Jesus starts. And now I want us to take a little bit of, of time, uh, not necessarily too much time because it's uh, just a, a few more verses here together, but we will see uh, what does Jesus' ministry include. So now we've seen it starts and why it has started, but now let's see, well, what does that really mean about Jesus' ministry? What did he do? Well, interestingly enough, the first thing he does is calls people to join him in this because hey, just like way back at the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. I believe that that is uh, across the board, a statement that really applies. Even in this case, with the ministry of Jesus, it's not good for just you know one man to be alone. There needs to be this sense of community. I would also say that that might even uh, explain a whole lot as to why God created this whole universe to begin with, is so that he would be able to have that community with us, that fellowship with us. But that's perhaps slightly besides the point. 
Now, coming back to this point, we're looking at verses 17 through 23. I know we've already looked at verse 17, but I'm going to uh, read it again because it's, I think it's uh, such a crucial verse in this passage. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I will uh, send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So what do we learn about the ministry of Jesus here? What did it include? Well, it started by calling people. He invites them in verse 19. Come, follow me. He gave them a specific task. It wasn't just about, you know, just following him. No, they needed to be engaged in, in doing this. They needed to actually be active in doing something. It's not enough just to say that you follow Jesus. It's not enough for any of us just to say that we follow Jesus. We need to actually do the things that he is asking us to do. And sometimes it can be pretty big things. Like whenever you look at this other, uh, these other brothers that are mentioned in verses 21 and 22, you find out that um, they left their, their father. They left their, you know, their family right there. In verse 22, it says that immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. They left their, their work and they left their family. Those are two big things that you know we oftentimes kind of consider a big part of our identity. They immediately left those things behind to follow Jesus because Jesus was wanting this community of believers to do something in the world to change things. And what did his ministry include? Verse 23 tells us that it includes teaching in their synagogues. You know, this meant gathering with the people who were trying to be faithful to God because that those are the ones who gathered in synagogues, the ones who they gathered there to listen to the scriptures being read and to talk about them and to teach one another, to learn more about what it means to follow God. So what did Jesus do? He went into the synagogues where people were already seeking God and he was teaching in the synagogues. What else was he doing? He was also proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And I believe this was not just in the synagogues, though he did that too. But this is proclaiming everywhere. This was the, the proclamation that the good news, the gospel message has come near. They needed to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. They need to do something about it. This is what the gospel message is all about. Which, by the way, aren't these the same types of things that we need to be involved in? We need to also be, as a people, involved in teaching those people who are interested in learning more about God. Um, and we also need to be proclaiming this gospel message to people of the wonderful kingdom of God. And then the third thing that he mentions is an important one that if we aren't careful, we might overlook it. Because another part of Jesus' ministry was, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, I know this is perhaps too big of a task for any one of us. I mean, we are talking about Jesus's ministry here, but I think that there are ways that we can learn from this, don't you? Is there some type of healing that we can help other people with? I think that if we actually really are honest with ourselves, we might find there can be ways that we can help in healing. Physical, emotional, you know, mental type of healings. Making people whole, that's the type of thing that Jesus was involved in. 
don't you think that our ministries can also reflect some of these same things? So, Jesus' ministry, it involved calling people, it involved teaching, proclaiming this good news or this gospel message, and healing people that were messed up in some ways, who needed that mending. Those are the things that Jesus involved himself in. Those are the things that we need to be involved in as well. And finally, now that Jesus' ministry, it started, but now what? And now what for us as well? Verses 24 and 25 are what I want you to to, uh, leave with. Don't worry so much about these specific places because, let's face it, um, these places are not the likely places that you and I are going to be going to. But you can go to other places. Okay, here, verses 24 and 25. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So we see here that his ministry has started. Now what? Well, news about him spread all over in all these different regions. Guess what? This is what we need to be doing now. Not spreading it in the same regions that it's already been spread, but spreading it in your region, in my region. Wherever we might find ourselves, are we spreading this good news about Jesus and and pointing people to him so that they can become followers, so that we can become better followers of him every single day of our lives? It takes us actually doing something about it. Jesus started his ministry. There's so many things that we can learn from the beginning of his ministry. And as you keep reading throughout Matthew's gospel, there are so many things that you can learn through Jesus' ministry and what he did on an everyday basis. He was teaching us how to be a human, how to be the best human that we can be. Can we follow him? Can we do that and teach others to follow him as well? Stop.
to be an example to men. As your beautiful eagle, for eagles don't fly, eagles don't fly, eagles soar.